This is Zoe Church LA. We're not just fans, but rather followers of Jesus. Tune in as Pastor Chad Veach teaches of God's love and how we can live a Zoe life, an abundant life. Um, I have been so excited about this series on the Holy Spirit, right? Our divine encourager. It has been, um, I'll, I'll just say it, it's been life-changing for me to go back through and how to think of the Holy Spirit, how to think of him, how he works in my life, what he's available for, and, and all of that. I've been so excited about just going back through it because it's such a good, it's kind of like the person you're with the most can often be the person that you start to neglect and forget about how great it is. If you're ever married, sometimes you just get these moments where you're like, I am married to the best person in the world. And it's easy to forget that because you're just doing life every day. Speaking of that, babe, will you stand up? Will you guys give a hand for the wife, my wife? That's the mother of our five children. Amazing. Um, but I was so excited. I want to start today, and we're going to do, I'm going to just start off with a lot of scripture, to be honest. I wanted to get this whole thing in, and I wanted to, I wanted to just lay a background because so much happens in this portion of scripture. And so if you'll go with me, this will fill your scripture cup for last week. But I'm going to start in Luke 4, 1 through 12. And it says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. Now, just for context, this is right after he gets baptized by Paul, right? Jesus gets baptized, says the heavens opened up, and God the Father in an audible voice said, this is my son and who I'm well pleased. And it says the Holy Spirit descended upon him, the Holy Spirit, the person, descended upon him like a dove. I always love when the Bible says like something, because it means that what really happened is, is something that we could not think or describe in our own words because it's supernatural. So it, the Bible has to tell you something natural to kind of compare it to so that you can get kind of an, oh, I kind of understand. He's going to come down like a dove. And so he says, came down like a dove. And then we go right here to, to the start of chapter 4. And it says, Jesus, full of the Spirit, left the Jordan and was led. Everybody say led. By the Spirit into the wilderness. Everybody say wilderness. Where for 40 days and night he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days. And at the end of it he was hungry. That's revelation right there. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered, it is written that man shall not live by bread alone. Then the devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms in the world. And said to him... I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want. If you will worship me, it's yours. And Jesus answered back to him, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand at a high point of the temple. And if you are the Son of God, he said, Throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you. They will guard you carefully. They will lift you up with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered, said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. I want to talk to you today. Um, if you're taking notes, I hope you are. Uh, uh, this, this message, this thought is, I, I named it, walk it out. Walk it out. And there's so much in the context of this scripture Theologically, it's so loaded because Jesus has come to earth as the son of God, but he's come to earth fully man. I, when I was studying this out, I struggled because I think of Jesus as Jesus, the son of God, going through this situation. 
When in truth, Jesus was 100% man in this situation. The Bible says later that later Jesus will get all his power, authority, and honor at a later point. This is Jesus as a man. So that changed my thinking just a little bit, my perspective, understanding that Jesus the man had not eaten and drinking in 40 days. At the end of being tested, trialed, and tempted, and going through tribulations, at the end of that, the devil comes to him, and they have this exchange. So in my mind, originally I was thinking Jesus was having an eye-to-eye conversation with the devil saying, hey, man shall not live by bread alone. Take that. Waiting for the next question. In reality, he would have been extremely weak. He would have been struggling just to stay alive and speak at this point. It says that he went through it and it was so hard, so much taken out of him that afterwards the angels had to come and minister to him. This is on a level that we could never understand the gravity of this moment because remember God created Adam and Eve to live and have communion with him and Adam and Eve sinned and from then on another plan had to be put into action. Was already planned, was already going, but Jesus or God the Father had to do something to take care of this issue because he could no longer have communion with what he created and what he wanted to love and be loved. And so he sends Jesus... So in this 40 days, understand the Bible says that, that there's no temptation that would be common to man that Jesus had not faced. So in this 40 days, this is the real deal. Jesus is not eating. He's fasting. He's in the wilderness. And as he's walking this through, being led by the Holy Spirit, he is undoing everything that's happened before him. These temptations are the three same temptations that Eve faced. The devil came to Eve and said, Eve. Did God, let's look at a couple things that the devil does, and if you can know it in your head, it will help you so much. The devil starts to twist what God has said. He says, did God say that you could not eat of that, but you would die if you did? Takes what God says, adds something. Eve is like, huh? Says that Eve saw it. She wanted it. That's your flesh, lust of the flesh. She thought what it could do for her, and she wanted to be like God. The devil comes to Jesus and says, flesh. Make that stone into bread. Let, 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 let me give you all of these kingdoms and let you be like God. Let them see the angels come down and raise you back up. And so Jesus is undoing every mistake that's been made up to this point. As he's standing in the moment and doing everything right by the Spirit, this was another trick in my mind because I was like, did the Spirit do exactly for Jesus what he does for me? Like when Jesus says to his disciples, he says, hey, do not leave this upper room to do what I've asked you to do until the Holy Spirit comes. And let me tell you, it's good for you that I leave because what's coming is so much better. This just clicked in my head. I thought, oh, my gosh, he has firsthand knowledge. He wouldn't have made it through this without the Holy Spirit because he was 100% man, which could not have happened. So he's standing. Jesus is standing in that moment. Facing these test trials, tribulations in the wilderness. He's undoing everything that has already happened in that moment. And he's giving us in the future a pattern to live by with the Holy Spirit. To go through a wilderness temptation. Amen. Theologically, this is a huge moment. For us, this is a huge moment. And I just think it's so, there's nothing better than, you know, people joke, say, hey, if you can't do, teach. You ever heard this? Like, people that don't make it, they become coaches. I don't know if it's true or not. If you're a coach, it's not true. But people will say, 
If you can't, if you can't sing, you're a vocal coach. Like, I don't know if that works or not. But, but I am so happy that Jesus walked through everything that I'm ever going to walk through. And he didn't walk through it as a son of God. He walked through it as a 100% man, struggling and being tempted on every step, weak, weary, and feeling like he can't handle it so that he would know what you and I go through. I love it so much. I want to pray over this. I just believe it's going to bless us today. I believe it's a word for me, and I, I believe it's a word for you too. Father, we thank you so much for today. I pray that you would just open up your word like never before. Our hearts are open. Place it in our hearts. It's good soil. Let this word grow. Father, multiply it. And Jesus, we pray that you would so bless our pastors. Bless their minds, their hearts, their bodies. Father, everything that they pour in, we pray that you would give them so much more. Bless their finances. Bless their home. Bless Zoe Church. And everybody said a big amen. Come on. Can we give it up? I love it so much. So, I don't know about you, but I am not a good follower. And it's not that I'm necessarily a leader. It's just that I just have a hard time following. Like, I don't want to be in the front because I want you to do what I do. I want to be in the front because I don't want to have to do what you do. I don't know if anybody can, can like, if anybody gets this, but, like, it, 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 there's a lot. I, I spent a lot of years in the fire bureau, and, and a lot of guys promote, not because they want to be lieutenant or captain, but just because they're like, I don't want to be under that lieutenant or that captain. And I can, I can, I feel that inside of me. And so I am not a good follower. And I was thinking like, what are, I have so many examples of when I did not follow well. One of the ones that got me so laughing last night, thinking back, originally we went to help uh, our best friends, Doug and Donna Lassett, plant a church in Denver, Colorado. And one of the first things you do is you go on a scouting trip. And you get all your, like, core leaders. There was eight, nine, ten of us. I don't remember. And we're going to all fly to Denver. We're going to drive around. We've never seen this place before. This is where we're going to live, plant a church, do life. Like, we got to check this out. We're going to walk around buildings and pray for churches. And we're, we're going to take the land all in one day. And so we get there. And you ever watch a situation play out and you're thinking, I don't know if this is the best. We get there. We're standing there. And nobody's talked through this. And there's two cars. And they're like, okay, let's do this. You guys get in this car, you drive. You guys get in this car, you drive. In my car, we have me, been a firefighter a long time, take skid car training every year, go to the racetrack, drive crazy, learn from, from great drivers. That makes sense. They said, Pete, you drive this car. I was like, great, handled, I got it. People are going to feel secure. Like, I got this. So I get in my car. The other guy that probably should have been driving was one of my good friends, John. John drove a Hummer in the Iraq War. I think he probably would be able to drive and keep us safe because he's driven through a whole war, driven a Hummer. They said, John, get in the back seat of Pete's car. These are the people that are going to be in the front car. By the way, the front car is leading. Peter, you're in the second car. I was like, great. Didn't really care. We start driving. Now, we're driving all over the city, every freeway. we got to see all of Denver in three days. We're driving for days. As I'm driving, inside of me, there's a conversation, a fight going on that I can hardly contain it. Now, everybody in our car is excited. They're, they're just like, this is our home. They're so excited. They're, I love that. What is that? I can't wait to do that. Da, da, da. They're having these conversations. I'm not talking to anybody because I am so frustrated to be following the car in front of me. <laughs> not just following, because I'll follow. Like, if you're going to lead like I would lead, I'll follow you. The car in front, you ever know somebody that drives so slow it's dangerous? <laughs> you're on the freeway, and people are having to change lanes and... This car in front of me was driving that slow. 
And there's all different kinds of places for driving. Denver is a place where you get in the fast lane to pass everybody. If somebody's behind you, you get out of the way and get back. We're driving so slow. He also always stayed in the right-hand lane, which meant that every exit, we would have to wait till the very end and get into the slow lane. Every exit, back over, back into the slow lane. I cannot handle this inside. Carnality is coming up. And in the middle of all them talking about where to live in their homes and all this stuff, out of nowhere, I couldn't even control it, I scream, frickin' frack! That's Christian cussing. You just change a couple words and a couple letters, and it's totally okay. Unless you can't control it, and you just scream it. I scream. Everybody in the car starts dying laughing. The moral of the story is I am not a good follower. I don't know about you, but are you a good follower? Would you be easy to lead? My first point is this, is that the Holy Spirit led Jesus to where he was going. You can write that down. He led him, point number one. And if Jesus needs to be led, who would I be to think that I don't need to be led? Like, what? And so it says he led him. Another translation says he pressed him, almost pushing him to go. And it's not because Jesus was apprehensive. It was because the Holy Spirit knows that we got places to go and things to do. There's a timeline to his leading in your life. And so he's leading him out into the wilderness. And it says that he led him to where he was going. Now, being led says a lot. The Bible says he, he was led by the Holy Spirit. Being led somewhere means you're being led out of something. There's some things that the Holy Spirit would like to lead you out of right now. And as you follow him and get led into something, you will find yourself leaving behind certain things that were supposed to be left behind and not supposed to go with you. Certain things, may I even say certain people, can we be real? You know, and he leads him. The Bible says that he, he leads us. He calls us out of the darkness and into the light. And this is what the Holy Spirit does. In 1 Peter 2, 9, it says, but we are a chosen people. Say, I'm chosen. A royal priesthood. Say, I'm royal. I love that. A holy nation. God's special possession that you may declare his praises. Um, him who called you out of the darkness and into the wonderful light. He's calling. He's leading. He's beckoning you if you would be willing to listen and be led. Sometimes it's a tug. Sometimes it's a pull. Sometimes it's a push. Sometimes it's a follow me. Just come. You can do it. Let's go this way. Let's. And he's constantly positioning and leading you to where you have to go. In Galatians 5, 16 through 17, it says, So, I say, let the Spirit guide your lives. Let them guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is opposed to that which the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us the desires that are opposite of what our sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. Anybody know what it's like to have a fight inside of you? Anybody fought late at night? early in the morning, laying in bed at night, fighting your thoughts. They're so dark. But I know that's not right. The Spirit is just fighting your flesh to lead you into what he has. Amen. Will you let the Holy Spirit lead you? I just think it's so powerful that he's leading us. You just have to follow. 
You know, in the fire bureau, there's a seat called the tillerman. Everybody says it's the best seat in the bureau. It's where I sat. It's on a ladder truck, the big long one with the huge ladder. There's guys in the cab up front. There's one lonely guy that sits on the back. And you're like, that must be rough. No, it's the best seat in the world because you never have to worry about where you're going. You literally just steer the back wheels so that you can take tight corners because the, the truck itself is so long. All you have to do is follow where God and the Holy Spirit are leading you. Amen? He doesn't make this hard. He makes it in its simplicity in the day-to-day, in the now, so easy. He's just talking about one step. He's just talking about one thought, one thing to take you forward. Number two, the Holy Spirit, he positions us. He prepares you. Number two, he prepares you. Understand that him leading, him guiding, him pulling is preparing you for something in the future. I know that the Bible says he led him into a wilderness place. Biblically, the wilderness is an interesting thing. He leads him into the wilderness. Some translations say for tempting. Some say for trials. Some say for testing. All three would be true. You're like, well, I don't know about this guy that's going to lead me into a temptation. Understand the temptation is there. He's going to lead you through it like a test. He's staying with you. Let's get the right perspective on what's happening here. He is leading you into the wilderness, but this is preparation to get you ready for what he has planned for you. And so he is leading you into the, now the wilderness. Some translations said that Jesus was up in the wilderness out with the animals, meaning there's nobody else around. Can we talk just for a minute about Loneliness versus being alone. If you're somebody that can't ever be alone, you're going to miss out on God's plan for you. There are seasons of aloneness. Not loneliness. I'm not talking about something in your heart and in a condition. I'm talking about aloneness with God. Look at every great person in the Bible. They all had a season of wilderness, desert, and aloneness with God. These are the seasons that prepare them for what they're about to step into in the next season. And so the perspective is not, oh, man, the Holy Spirit is really leading me into a tough one now. The perspective is he's guiding you, positioning you, preparing your insides to be ready for what he wants to do for you in your future. Amen? And so he leads him into the wilderness. It's preparation. Think of, think of, think of David. David gets anointed as the king, as a young boy, and gets sent back out into the fields all by himself with the sheep. His brothers are doing things much more like his calling should look like. They're in the king's army. They could get promoted. They could work their way up. He's out there with a harp and the sheep. But this is alone time. The Bible says that he became so proficient in his worship that he could worship and cause spirits to leave other people. Oh, you don't get that by just practicing or being in front of people. That's something where he was alone with God, pouring out his heart. And as he did his thing in other situations and scenarios, the same anointing was released. It says that a, a bear came up to take and, and eat a sheep. Now, if I'm a shepherd, I'm like, my life, sheep life. Sheep life, going to go. Like, I'm not, there's no question. I'm like, I got 50 sheep, I'm going to come home with 48. 
Like, it's okay. Not David. David's like, no, not take him. I'm the shepherd of these sheep. He goes barehanded, fights this bear. I want to see this. He fights this bear, drives it away, kills it. I don't know. A lion comes to him. Now, if I'm David or if I'm David's friends, I'm like, bro, you have the worst luck in the world. Like, we're all shepherds. Nobody else has had a bear. And certainly nobody else has had a bear and a lion and had to fight them personally to get them off your sheep. Like, maybe pick another career, bro. Like, this is not for you. Can I tell you that when David goes and he brings his brother's lunch and Goliath is standing, taunting and teasing the children of Israel, and David goes up to King and he says, I can do something about this. King's like, have you ever fought? You ever held a sword? You ever worn this armor? Do you know what he says? No, but I fought a bear and I fought a lion. And the Lord delivered me from both of those. And surely he'll deliver me from this, this person, this thing that's coming against the people of Israel. Can I tell you just to change your perspective a little bit? He's leading you through things to prepare you for what's coming. So at some point you can be standing and say, I've never done that before. But look what I just did with the Holy Spirit. I can certainly take that. I can do it. Not because of you, but because of the Holy Spirit. You know, great players don't look at their coaches angry. Why do you make me do so much? Why do you just pick on me? You know, we got some NBA players that come here. They're looking for workouts. Why? To prepare for what they're about to do. There's a change in perspective. Like, man, I'm in a hard time, but man, I can't wait to see what God will do with this. I can put one more foot in front of the other. I can step again, Holy Spirit, if you're with me in the middle of this. Let's go to Scripture. It says in 1 Peter 1, 6-7, it says, So be truly glad that uh, there is a wonderful joy ahead of you. Sounds familiar? It's coming. There's a joy ahead of you. Even though you must endure many trials for a little while, let me tell you, whatever you're facing right now will not be forever. Such a thought. It will free you up so much just to know that what I'm going through right now in this season is a season. You can make it. Amen? Amen. Trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. What? Show that it's real. Test your faith. Listen to what it says. It is being tested as a fire tests and purifies gold. Through your, though your faith so far is more, or sorry, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. Can we think about that for a minute? Tested faith is more valuable than riches, fame, and wealth. Why? Because you can do anything with tested faith. You can start anywhere. You can go anywhere. With faith, you're standing there saying, I've done it before. I can do it again. By the Holy Spirit, he's led me before. There's nothing like saying, I didn't know what I was getting into when I did that. And so it doesn't bother me that I don't know what I'm getting into right now. Because I just feel like the Holy Spirit is leading me. Amen? So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. He's preparing you. He's positioning you. He's getting you ready. And it is coming through a trial, a temptation, or a tribulation. It is. Nobody has a life without it. 
It was so amazing. Jasmine told some of her story, and she just honored Becky and I because we, we, we were with her during the hardest time of her life. Can I tell you that watching her walk through that gave me so much faith because of what she was walking through with the Holy Spirit. Her responses, being led by the Spirit, keeping going even though. I love it so much. Number, number three, he empowers you. I love this. So number one, he leads into where you're going. He's got a timeline. He's got reasons he's leading you. He's leading you out of things, leading you into things. Number two, he positions you. He prepares you to receive what's coming. Number three, he empowers you. Listen to this last verse. Luke 4, 16, it says, when the devil had finished all, his, all this tempting, can I tell you even that comes to an end? When you stand with the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit is telling you what to say, telling you what the Father thinks about you. He's giving you what you need in that exact moment. He's making a way of escape for you. In your weakness, he's strong. It says, when the devil was finished, what, is that all you got? Right? Right? Like that was it? I'm still standing. The Bible says when you can do nothing but just stand, then stand. Come on. In the faith that's been tested, in the faith in the Holy Spirit. That's it? Still standing. The Bible says and gives an inkling that the devil regrets every time he messes with us. Because every time we come out stronger, we come out victorious, we come out as, as God's children in the name of Jesus. The devil, you're going through a hard time, the devil's going to wish he never started messing with you. Just stand with the Holy Spirit. The devil thought he was winning. We're all in a setup. The Bible says predestined. Our destination's already fixed as the winner's. Got sidetracked on that verse. I don't know where I was. Right. I really don't know where I was. Here we go. He left him for, an for another opportune time. He's like a pest. He's like a fly at my house. Like you swat him away, just kind of makes his way back. Jesus returned to Galilee. Now listen, Jesus was led into the wilderness full of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says after he goes through that, he returns to Gal Galilee in the power of the Holy Spirit. Can I tell you that the model for you and me is Jesus? His ministry at this moment turns the world upside down. Can I tell you the church? The church is also our diagram of how to live. They waited, received the power from on high. The first time any of these guys have ever preached, 3,000 people get saved, and they start a movement that is still alive today. Can I tell you in your life, if you are willing to be led, be guided, be positioned, let the Holy Spirit empower you, your life will look like it has never looked before under the power of the Holy Spirit. It says he empowers you with the Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit. I love this so much. I, I started praying for this. I, I, I kind of stopped praying for the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. This series has just woken up something in me. So I don't think I'm thinking big enough. I feel like I'm thinking day to day. Oh, I got to deal with this person again. Oh, I got to do this. I just did this. 
I feel like my, my mindset dropped to the earth. And this series is beckoning me to bring my mindset back up to heaven. It's lifting. The Bible says, lifting my head. I thought, Jesus is a man, goes through this and makes it through the Holy Spirit. As a man, he begins to walk around and heal thousands of people. As a man, walking with, and what did he say over and over? It's for me to do exactly what my father tells me and walk this out with the Holy Spirit. I called a buddy of mine. I am not very physically fit. <laughs> it's just the truth. I have a lot of friends that are extremely physically fit. I love it because I just laugh. Like I, I was eating car, or not, I was eating kettle corn, and I thought on the couch I should call my buddy. And, and is, can we be real? I called my buddy because he just did something called the Leadville 100. This is a 100-mile race through the mountains, not on the street, not on the roads. The lowest elevation of this race is 9,200. The highest elevation is 12,800. This is a running race. Through the cracks, crevices, up mountains, down mountains, trails, roads, but all in the mountains. And I saw that he had completed it. I thought, I need to call him. I call him up. His name is Jason Pennington. I call him JP. He's like, JP, bro, I saw you do this race. It's like, you got to tell me about it. I can't even fathom. I told him at the moment. I was like, bro, I'm just laughing. I'm literally eating kettle corn wanting to know about this feat of extreme physicality that you did. Tell me about it. I want to enjoy it while I eat kettle corn. Like, this is not a movie, bro. This is this guy's life. And I'm like, yes, tell me more. It was a cheat day, guys. And so in the middle of this, I said, no, like, really, tell me. Like, tell me. He's like, well. I started off, since I've been training for eight months, and start off on the run. The first check mile is mile 25. I was like, I'm already done. I'm like, out, out. He says, I was in such a dark place in my mind at mile 25. I said, what do you mean? He's like, I knew how my body felt in that moment, and my head just kept saying, you're barely a quarter of the way through this race. You're not going to make it. You hurt this much at mile 25? You've got 75, you haven't even hit the peaks yet. You haven't even climbed a mountain yet. He said, I was so, he's like, my family was there. They were cheering me on. You're supposed to get food at this station. He said, I couldn't eat. I was so distressed, like just mad and dark. He's like, my mind, he kept saying over and over, my mind was in such a dark place. He said, people stay and eat and like get everything they need, pack their bags, go on. He said, I didn't even stay like two, three minutes. I couldn't do it. I was like so mad, so dark, just left. My family's like, okay, go get him. All right, hey. He says he hits mile 40. And he says, hey, at mile 40, I lost my knee. I was like, bro, I've lost my keys. I've lost my wallet. I have no idea what lost my knee means. <laughs> like these two, our worlds are like, hold on, I got a popcorn seed. What did you say? Like our worlds are... That's why I love this guy so much. He's so extreme. Oh, he's the best dude in the world. He says, literally, my knee hurt so bad I couldn't use it. He says, we have these, like, almost like uh, ski poles that we use because the, the climb is so steep, you don't want to have to be on your hands and knees. You use the poles. And he says, I ended up using my poles as crutches. He says, you can't imagine how dark my mind went. He says, I knew I had this huge climb, and my best part is my descents. He's like, I just run like a wild man down these things, and I thought, I can't even do my best part anymore. 
I can't. He said he met his brother. That was a check mark. He met his brother there. And he said, my brother said, I'm going to pace you. His brother, another extreme dude, in Luna flip-flops, ran the next 60 miles with him. I was like, what is up with your family? <laughs> wow. He says, I said, what does a pacer do? He says, well, they just run with you, and they carry all your supplies if you need. Whatever you're going to need for the race, they carry it for you. He says, you know what was so powerful? He's like, my brother's done this race two times already. He says, at every moment, he knew exactly what I needed. He knew what I needed to hear. He knew where my mind was going. And he just, he's like, honestly, all of the carrying, all of the, they call it the mule, all that he did as a mule to carry his stuff was great. But he's like, I never would have made it if he wouldn't have been talking to me. Can I tell you, such a beautiful picture of the Holy Spirit. He knows where you're at. He's talking to you right now. He's got exactly what you need. He's speaking the word of God into your, into your life. He's saying, you can make it. Just hold on. Don't worry about your legs. Don't worry about your condition. Let me lead you. 